Welcome to our look together at Mark chapter 2, our last day of this look, day 5, verses 23 to 28 today. As we've been walking through this chapter this week, this whole chapter is a reminder of why some of us love to read Mark and others feel like something is missing as you read Mark. Mark is a bullet point, executive summary, get to the point and get off the point writer. It's, it's bam, 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 bam with Mark. Now, the Gospel of John instead goes into a full explanation of all the details of what happened. And then he explains the theological significance of all of those details. But Mark just says, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. Remember again the point of Mark. To paint for us a portrait of Jesus as a servant. This is an opportunity to be awed by what Jesus did for us. Mark is all about action. And even the teachings flow out of the actions of Jesus. The verses we're looking at today are another example. Mark chapter 2, verses 23 to 28. Listen to what happened. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. And then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now the teaching that Jesus does here about the Sabbath and following him comes out of this experience where his disciples are walking along, eating, getting some grain out of the grain fields. And the Pharisees say what they're doing is not lawful. Now, they weren't talking about them eating the grain. It was totally lawful for them to eat the grain. You can look at Deuteronomy 23, 24 to 25. The law says that people could glean from the fields as they walked through. This was one of the ways of feeding the hungry, the poor in that society. You couldn't take a, 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 a sickle and cut the grain, but with your hand you could take the grain. So you could just get enough to feed yourself. So the problem wasn't that they were eating the food. The problem was when they were eating it. They were doing it on a Sabbath day. That was the problem. And according to their law, you could not do this on a Sabbath day. And the challenge is, how could your disciples do this? Now, I, I'm hoping you'll notice with me how Jesus teaches the Pharisees that day. Instead of getting into a detailed argument with them over Sabbath laws, he challenges them to think in this entirely different way. Jesus' wisdom in all of these encounters with the Pharisees, it is so clear. Instead of letting people put him into a defensive mode by their, their attempts to trap him with their definitions of guilt, Jesus uses these conversations as an opportunity to open the window, to let the fresh air of truth of faith into the room. Here, he reminds them of two simple truths. Truth one, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And truth two, the Son of Man, and he's talking about himself here, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. Truth one, the Sabbath was made for man. He's saying man was not made to serve the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day was made to serve man. Now, first, how was man serving the Sabbath here? Well, there were many, many rules that had been built around this Sabbath day celebration. God had said, I want you to rest on the Sabbath. But those who had decided to devote their lives to keeping the rule of the law had decided not only to have that law, but also to build other laws around that law so they'd be sure to never break the middle law, the core of the law. 
their number one rule book was called the Mishnah. Just one of the Ten Commandments about keeping the Sabbath, there are 24 chapters in the Mishnah about keeping the Sabbath. Chapter after chapter after chapter, application of this is what you do this time, this is what you do here, and even that was not enough. They even had to interpret the Mishnah, so they wrote the Talmud, which interpreted the Mishnah. And the Talmud has 128 pages on just keeping the Sabbath. It tried to cover every circumstance of life. They had it all figured out. You weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath. You were supposed to rest. But how did you know if you were working or not? They had all the rules laid out. How far you could walk, how far you could walk outside the city, what you could do, what you could do for your animals, what you couldn't do, how you could cook, how you couldn't cook. All of the little things. Little things like, like tying a knot. How would you know if you were working or not if you happened to tie a knot? Well, they decided that if it was absolutely necessary for human life, then you could tie a knot. If it wasn't necessary for human life, then you couldn't tie a knot. And here's one of the interesting things in that law. If you wanted to get some water, you had to do it before the Sabbath. You couldn't tie a knot and lower a bucket into the well on the Sabbath because you could survive one day without water. It wasn't absolutely necessary for human life. However, if a lady's girdle broke, they, they deemed that it was absolutely necessary for human life to tie that girdle back together, even if it was a Sabbath day, because you couldn't go one day with an untied girdle. Now, I know it's a pretty funny law, but even, even more humorous is how people began to take advantage of the law. Now, now, get this. You couldn't tie a knot in a rope and lower it to get some water, but you could tie a knot in a girdle. So you know, you know what creative people did in that day? They would take a woman's girdle and they'd tie a knot in the girdle on the bucket and they'd use the girdle to lower the water bucket into the well so they could get water on a Sabbath day. That's how ridiculous this became. Now, it began, it began with a heart to follow God. It began with a heart to have high moral character, a deep religious hunger to follow the law. But it became this profound spiritual blindness. How did that happen? It happened because they made all these rules upon rules and they got to a place where they could depend on themselves to get to God instead of depending on the wonderful truth that God gives us. Now, God has things for you to do. There's no doubt about that. As you follow him, as I follow him, he has plenty for us to do. There's plenty of actions in the Christian faith. But I can't act my way into faith. Faith comes first. It leads the way. Now, there are still many people today who think that real faith is doing your best to keep the Ten Commandments. And, and that leads us to the same trap that these people were in. Jesus said that man was not made to serve the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man. Now, by the way, before we go on, what does this mean that Sabbath was made for man? God knows us. He created us. And he knows that we need a day of rest. And so on the seventh day of creation, he took a day of rest, a Sabbath day, as an example to us. God, God never gets tired. He didn't need to rest, but he did it as an example to us that you and I need a day of rest. And the Sabbath day is given not for us to serve it by a bunch of little rules that wear us out, but for us to rest, to rest our hearts in him, to rest from our labors, to do something different on that day. Now, whenever you hear people making rules about how you should rest on the Sabbath, they're going down the same road that the Pharisees went down. But for my heart, for your heart, the Sabbath is all about, I need one day out of seven at least, where I take a day of rest, where I rest in him. Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man to serve the Sabbath. And then he also said a second thing that day. He said, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. 
Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Not the ways that we worship him is Lord. Not the ways that we serve him is Lord. Jesus is Lord. If we're not careful, we can do the same thing that happened in that day. I have to serve Jesus Christ by worshiping at this time on Sunday. I have to serve Jesus Christ by worshiping with these kinds of songs on a Sunday. I have to serve Jesus Christ and love him by worshiping with this kind of order on a Sunday. And if I don't do it in that way, then somehow I am not serving him. You you and I, when we do that, we've made the way that we worship him Lord rather than Jesus Christ the Lord. We can do it with the way that we serve him too. I have to serve Jesus Christ by serving this particular group of people in this way. I have to go to the homeless in this country on this date and serve them in this way, or it's not true service of Jesus. We can build rules and regulations around the way that we worship Jesus and grow in Jesus and serve Jesus and reach out in Jesus' name to the extent that even though we don't have a Mishnah and a Talmud, we've got our own little rule book in our mind. We all do it. We all do it. And Jesus wants to break it down. And the way he breaks it down in my life and in your life is with this one word, Lord. Jesus is Lord. I, you decided to follow a Savior. We're not following a rule book. We're following a Savior. We're not following a list of laws. We're following a Savior. We're not following principles. We are following a person. Jesus has principles for us to live out. But the minute I lose sight of the person, And all I see are the principles. In that minute, the principle has become the Lord and not Jesus. I don't know about you, but just about every day of my life, I have to refresh my perspective on the person of Jesus. Get my eyes on him again, personally, my relationship with him. It's a daily decision in life. So let's make that decision for today. Jesus, as we talk to you in this moment, we thank you that you are Lord. Thank you for the ways and the direction and the great things you are doing in our lives to cause us to follow you, the habits we're building, the places we serve. But Lord, in this moment, we we put all that aside and we just focus on you. You're the Lord. You're the one we're following. You're why we're doing all of this. And instead of focusing on what we do today, Lord, help us to focus on who we're doing it for. You, the one who gave your life for us the one who lives now to give us life. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. You are Lord. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Join us next week as we continue our look at the Gospel of Mark, chapter 3. It's a chapter that's all about Jesus' relationships with his disciples, with the crowds, with his enemies, with his family. See you next week.